yesterday we were talking in our in our series on staying connected about the different parts of our self which create create our often experience in a conflict that we're really comprised of two disparate elements one which is a really selfish self indulgent animalistic part which is not only animalistic but it has this whole range of negative emotions associated with it it's got the emotions of of anger and arrogance it's got the emotions of frivolity cynicism it's got the emotions of um, lustful desire it's got the emotions of lethargy and inactivity and that, that's really one part of ourselves which pull us in those directions so there's part of it's going to pull us to stay in bed to stay in bed while sipping on a uh, smoothie made from sweet and uh, delicious thick cocoa and while doing so speaking about irrelevant gossip and nothingness and um, shouting at the person next to me for uh, for getting in my way. I think that's kind of all four of those <laughs> in one little <laughs> one little experience whilst you're lying in bed. Um, mm. But then even in that part of the Jewish person, if if the person's in bed drinking his milkshake, um, talking nonsense and feeling arrogant about everyone else around him, and then someone walks in who needs help, that same Nefesh Abahamis will cause him to feel compassion and mercy for the person. Um, that's, that's, that's the, that's the Rachmanim. And uh, if, if there's someone that really is in, in dire need, he'll like be drawn towards helping that person out. And if, and if someone catches him doing something untoward, he'll actually feel embarrassed. That's the three components which are also part of the, the Nefesh of a Hamis of a, of a Jew. And that's before we get on to the Nefesh Lokis. And what we're going to do today is we're going to discuss the Nefesh Lokis, which is really the other side of the story of this two personality, a tale of two people. And we're going to discuss as we go further on that actually these two personalities, ironically, can be self-functioning. When I mean, a person can function adequately within the Nefesh Bahamis without having an experience of a Nefesh, nefesh Lokis, as we're going to soon discover. Yes, Eddie? If this is an accurate breakup of the way we are... Uh, formed. Why does it seem that Tanya is the first to to present it? Um, well, I suppose it's it's really a question on um, let's, let let me just question your question. Is he the first to present it? Um, he's quoting Rav Chaim Vital who's um, a Talmud of the Arizal. So we see it, it was before, it was definitely, he's not making, he's, he's not even claiming to have been, been making this up. Um, he's he's recognizing that, that there were prior sources to him. So, so let's kind of go back. So oh, this comes from Rabbi Chaim Vital. Rabbi Chaim Vital, Vital got this from the Arizal. And the Arizal was a unique figure who did definitely articulate the Chochmas HaNistar, Chochmas HaSoid. And agree, you know, you can argue about, well, what happened before the Arizal? Where was the Chochmas HaKabbalah buried? That, that's a good question, which I think, you know, is not for the scope of our share. Thank you. Perik Beis. V'nefesh HaShain Yisrael Huchelik Elokar Mimal Mamash. So this is an amazing thing to to feel, and this is really the reason why we got here. I was speaking, 
talked about us being connected. We spoke about consciousness. We spoke about the different parts of ourselves, the character and the eye. And now we're getting a more, a more articulated version of this, this inner world that we're in. You know, it was very generalized, speaking about, oh, there's this consciousness and then there's the me. There was a lot of un, unspoken details that, that were left out of the picture. And now we're trying to hone in and really discover them. So we've got this thing called Chelik Elokar Mimal Mamish. And I think we can be very medactic in the Loshan of the Balatanya that he doesn't speak in a general term. He doesn't say, oh, it's, it's a Chelik Eloikis. He says, it's a Chelik Eloikar Mimal. And then he adds on the word Mamish as if to give it even a more powerful emphasis. Already. Meaning, within each of us, and it's, it is when you start and meditate upon it, almost incomprehensible in its grandeur. Do you mean that there's really an element of pure, unadulterated godliness inside of me. Like, there's, there's a core, there's the essence of me, which is a chelik and a karmimal mamish. And in a way, the reason why I suppose to me it's so surprising is because my mode of experience of life, I haven't articulated it through the eyes and lens of seeing myself as a godly being. Not, not, not completely, not that I haven't comp- completely discounted that, but I don't think it's my go-to for self-perception. I think my go-to for self-perception is probably much closer to a psychological model of humanity than a spiritual model of humanity. What kind of, if someone comes to me and says, what kind of guy are you? Oh, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm quite kind. Like I'm a good sense of humor. I have issues with insecurity and approval seeking. Um, <laughs> but my experience, I don't even articulate my experience of self using these lenses, which is, which is very engaging because it means that well, what would change were I to see myself like this? In other words, what would change if I would see, to my, see myself primarily as a as a godly being and then how would i view my actions and how would i interpret my reactions and my pro actions and it would just be for example right now i'm 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 sitting in front of you and we're sharing these ideas together well what am i doing what am i doing now what am i doing now so i could say well could see it from a psychological perspective that i'm or before even the psychological perspective mundane well i've got a job I'm being paid a salary to come and deliver information to a group of students that are here in order to gain that information. Mm-hmm. And since there's a topic called Musa that runs from 12.30 to 1.10 um, every day, save Wednesday, that's the job I'm doing. And I'm doing my job. And then someone would come to me and say, oh, godliness and spirituality. I say, I'm doing my job. And I could see it from that perspective. And, and, and that could be, in a way, I may even stop there. But then I may, I may let's see, let's try and make it a bit higher. No, what I'm doing is, I really believe that we're going on a journey together. And I believe that, to me, life is this slowly um, unfolding mystery. And I'm loving exploring it. And it's such a privilege for me to have a group of people who are willing to explore it together with me. And at this point in time, it could be that because of my... Um, the benefit of the fact that I've been doing this longer and I have access to texts and, and ideas that because of the time span of you guys being, you don't have it, so then it, it's, 
that puts me in a different role to, to the rest of you because I can I can initiate and I can I can guide and lead to a certain degree. So so I could, and, and we can share this together. Um but then maybe I could even even rank it up higher and say that let's try to do this. Okay, we're doing this now on the spot, right? Let's try to rank it up higher. Let's let's look at this. This is a soul interaction. And that fundamentally, even though we were, up, we were our, our perception of each other right now is being experienced through our senses, but maybe we could venture to think about this meeting today, on Tuesday the 15th of February, as a... 16th. Just checking. Um, Tucker. Uh, <laughs> we could think about... We could think about that we in this room are just a meeting of souls. We're a meeting of souls and a great group of souls have got together. And each of our souls has um, empowered its body and emotions and thoughts to become present in the room. And the purpose of the meeting today is for the characters that the soul is in the process of controlling should become more adept and informed and aligned to the character's true nature. Wow, that's like such a different way of seeing things into oh, I've got a job and I'm teaching information did you feel the do you feel the distance between those two perceptions can you say the second one as well? the emotional one yeah sharing ideas together as a group of people who are keen to grow and to understand and and uh, we're exploring the the challenge of of seeing our life through new eyes But that spiritual one is very, very different. It's much more lofty. But it, it almost requires an, a manual setting. It doesn't happen automatically. Is, is not, did anyone relate to what I was saying? Did they, did they go across effectively? Was there a highway of communication or was it a broken path with, with stones in the way? So I, I don't ask you, you don't have to respond verbally. Just if, if you just show, show some sign of life. That would, be, that, 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 that would be like I'm not even like I'm not asking for a full nod, but even just like jet. That's what I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. Okay, or it could be like everyone's be overwhelmed because like you know even like I would I would be happy with with any kind of body movement yeah, <laughs> opposed to what I'm experiencing right now. Which is a soft like if anyone is tucker. You know, I was thinking about souls. I thought everyone died in this year. So maybe your souls left your body. Am I making any sense to anyone? I'm just being misbrainane and meditating on the words of the Balatanya that says, And it's stuck at the Pasuk. It's not this big mystical shtick. It says, The Bore Olam breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Or Nishmaschaim, the Nishama. The Nishama. So in other words, the process of creation, as opposed to the rest of the created world, where it says they were made with the hand of Hashem, man 
humanity was created through the breath of Hashem. That's huge. It's very different from the rest of creation. The Bible breathed. And now the, by the time he's going to explain what is the breath, symbolically representative of what's breath, brings another raya. Um, so what is breathing going on? Because when he breathed, he breathed from within himself. That's how we get to meaning the breath that the Boire Olam breathed into Adam Harishain is the soul he placed inside of him. He breathed into him a spiritual essence of himself. Man de nafach mitoche nafach. When you breathe, you breathe your essence. Umi pni miusoi shetoche is a pni mizachios sheba adamoisi benefichosoi bekoch. Because when you're breathing out, that's an analogy to your essential life. So we started to explore yesterday that the notion of breath is very strongly associated with being alive. And if you want, if you want to know if a person's still alive, so are they still breathing? very difficult to be alive and not breathing you need to be breathing to be alive it's a prerequisite so so when you're breathing it's, it's the way that I show my life force so let's just take this a bit further think about it a little bit just as an analogy to mouth-to-mouth resuscitation so you have a person that's that that's that's dead and you want to make them come back to life but they don't have oxygen which is the the source of life. So if you breathe into them, you give them life. But where did the life come from? Well, the life came from your own oxygen. So it was your own life that you gave to them. So now that's a physical breath. But what would be a spiritual breath? Of course, the Baralim doesn't have a body, he doesn't have lungs. So what does it mean he breathed into? Well, it's a, it's a metaphor to describe the notion of the thing, which is a Baruch He gave to you. He put it inside of you put inside of me put inside of us and we have it yes yes and the Shoma Kedosha Miboye Kedolomis inside of us yes 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 feel the idea do you feel the idea Shema Yahu yes Okay, we good? So that's getting a little bit deeper inside of ourselves. So we've got this part of ourselves. Which is the breath of life that the Baron breathed into us. And you can imagine, if you can for a moment, Adam Arishan, before that breath of life was breathed into him, and that's how he became alive. So you can imagine this, 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 this motionless body. It's not a corpse because I never had life. But it looked like a corpse probably. Adam Marishan probably looked like, before this breathing in, I, didn't, I don't know what Gan Eden looked like. I don't know what Adam Marishan looked like. Uh, it's hard for me to comprehend. But to make it a little bit simplified, he was a human form that was lying in Gan Eden, let's say. Or lying somewhere in the world. And he was static, no emotion. Nothing happened. 
he wasn't moving. But he had eyes and ears and nose and hands, but he was, he can't be dead because he was never alive, but he was pre-dead or not alive, pre-life. And then the Bar Olam somehow, and you can just imagine if you can for a moment, imagine the scene. So you had this motionless corpse-like being. And then there was, I don't know what it looked like, but you'd probably only see the impact because we couldn't see Akash Baruch breathing into his nostrils. But all of a sudden, you noticed the corpse became animated. And he blinked his eyes, and he moved his arms, and he looked around, and he stood up, and he was alive, and he could speak. And the shift from before and after was this neshama that came into him. So we definitely see that the neshama is the power of animation. And the, per- the difference between dead person and live person is only that. Imagine you have a person, 35 years old, strong and healthy. And he's uh, committed a crime that makes him liable for the death penalty in the state in America that they still give the death penalty. And the electric chair is out of fashion. Now it's just a lethal injection of cyanide or whatever other poison puts a person to sleep permanently. <laughs> so you see this person, see this person, and I imagine that they administer this deathly dose whilst he's, I would imagine, in some kind of room where he's lying on a bed or something. Probably looks a little bit like a surgery. And the executioner goes over to him and takes a syringe, which has got enough of the poison in its... Um, big enough to be a lethal dose and injects into the body and then slowly but surely this person who was previously active becomes inactive and you look at the person and you look five minutes before and five minutes after exactly the same everything's exactly the same there's one thing missing the life force has disappeared there's no neshama you can see that you can see that yeah see a dead person before alive and then he's dead you can see there's something uh, it's a dead person you feel the death on the face. Hard to explain, but I've seen it from my grandfather. Like, uh, uh, my grandma called me up and I've seen like immediately he's dead. There's no soul in this body anymore. And before even he was like, technically looking the same, I could still say like, there's uh, some life in there. So I kind of see it if the body is like, completely dead. It's like, you don't see it as a human anymore. It's just a body. It's just a body. So that I mean, what you're saying is is is, is a profound experience of the, the what we would call the soul makes us in our in our in our vision of viewing this, that the soul creates the human in the person. And and so, and so the, the, that's like that's so so profound because we we around each other the whole time, and here we're grappling to find the soul, and like what Nasan is sharing with us is. Well, he's finding not, for him it's on the contrary, how can you not see the soul? I've seen, says he, a body without a soul, and it doesn't look like anyone else in the room, even like the ready, ready tired guys who have bored out their brains. <laughs> even them, there's still like some, some vestige, <laughs> some vestige of life is still present. Even the British people. Even the British <laughs> Let's even. not go so far. <laughs> Don't come from Manchester. <laughs> So now we're going to be good, good, okay, that was, did that make it a little bit more, are we building this up, we're building this up, yes? 
Adam. We're going, I'm going to go out to skip the rest of Perik Beis and now I'm going to go into Perik Gimel of the Baltanya. It's going to get a little bit more complex so you're just going to have to bear with me. It says about So now he introduces us to the three levels of a person. There's something called Nefesh, there's something called Ruach, and there's something called Neshama. Nefesh is associated with a person's actions, activity. Ruach, which literally means wind, or we may call it spirit, is associated with a person's emotions. And neshama is associated with a person's thoughts. So really it's a tisk, there's like different planes that we function on. We can function on the intellectual plane, we can function on an emotional plane, and we can function on a plane of action. I can do things, I can feel things, and I can think things. And doing, thinking, and feeling, feeling and thinking correspond to nefesh ruach neshama. Ellie. Is Ruach sometimes paralleled with speech? Most, most, most times. In other words, thoughts, speech, and action have become analogous for thoughts, feelings, and action. Because Why is that? I think it's because the power of speech is to articulate an idea with feeling. The power of thought a, thought, a thought can be devoid of feeling, but words carry with them, carry with them the, an emotional component. If I tell whatever your name is, Akiva. Akiva, how much I really appreciate you, or if I then give Akiva a hug that he's very uncomfortable receiving, but Akiva's <laughs> a little more comfortable receiving that hug, I feel like that action is much more meaningful. Okay, so what because no, 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 no. I appreciate the comment. What we're discussing now are, the, are like three divisions. It's almost as if the way I'm putting it across at this moment is almost as um, just describing describing structure. We haven't yet spoken about well, how do they interact? Could it be that thoughts can penetrate feelings, which then can penetrate actions, which would mean that when you hug that kiva, what you're doing is you are feeling something, and then your feelings took on the form of an action. And really, it was a filtration process from thinking something to feeling something to doing something. So, just remain tuned in for the next exciting episode of The Soul and Me. Or maybe The Soul is Me. And if The Soul is Me, well, who's this other guy that keeps on hanging around my life? Yes, Binyamin. Um, when we share physical biotic body, um, which of these three? Entities is actually when we shed, when we shuffle off our mortal coils, in the words of the bard, um, what, what was the question? So we're shuffling off our mortal coils, which what would be the three entities that we share the physical body with? Neither, none of these three are us. We're soon going to figure out that, okay. Not even in the summer? Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. This is going to be confusing and you're going to have to bear with me while we um, batter, 
kind of carve out the, the, the correct understanding. There are different levels of being called Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama. The way those different parts express themselves are in vessels of expression, which are actions, words, feelings, and thoughts. The, it's not that thoughts are the Neshama. The Neshama can use thoughts. It's not that feelings are the Ruach. The Ruach uses feelings. And it's not that actions are the Nefesh. The Nefesh inhabits actions. So these are like the, what are called the Malbushim, the clothes that those different levels of self put on. So the clothes, the clothes die with the person. Thoughts die. Feelings die. Actions die. But the Neshama Ruach and Nefesh live on. According to your explanation, if I'm understanding it correctly, the nefesh, for example, is where is the basis of action, right? For um, basis of. But it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. It is not action. It it's uses not, action for expression. expression. Right. Right. Okay. So, at the end of the day, all of these three variables serve a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. For example, in, for the purpose of living in on Earth, to you know, to be mitzvahs and everything, it serves a greater purpose. So when we leave this realm. All the perp- all the culmination of action and everything and, and decisions and, and everything culminates to serve who? Okay, if if I'm understanding your question correctly, because there has to be an there has to be an obje- objective essence that is us, because otherwise who's going up? To okay, who's sorry. Okay, so I didn't properly grasp your question. So you got this. You got this thing that we call the soul that has a body, and the body's got all these different realms that it can lend itself to be animated by this, this energy called the soul. The soul in, in, in energizes actions and, and feelings and words and thoughts. And then at the end of a person's life, when that soul leaves the body, what difference from when the soul went into the body at conception and what difference when the soul left the body at age 120? Is, is the thing that's leaving a different thing? Is the same thing? In other words, what was the implication and impression that a lifetime of actions, thoughts, feelings did to the soul? That would also... That, that, that's your question. Meaning, what remains after death? Yes. And I had, before asking the question, I anticipated you'd tell me all three. After which, I would ask you, would hold on, why would, why would all three live on in a world where our actions are no longer necessary? But now... Or our feelings are no longer necessary. Or our thoughts are no longer exactly. necessary. Exactly. So if all three are then, but if then, even if if you say all three are no longer relevant, then what lives on and what exists mm-hmm. and for what purpose? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. 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 Good stuff. So the answer is... <laughs> <laughs> Good, that's exactly where we need to that's exactly what we need to be asking right now. Beautiful. Mm, great question. Which really means what what is the 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 Nefesh Ruch and Neshama before they inhabit action, feeling and thought? What are they? So it seems like they're just an energy. And there's different kinds of energies. And it can animate, and different energies animate different things. I think one of the ways of, of trying to understand it is a little bit like electricity. And um, so, so, so I'll take this a bit further. 
but I think I think maybe for the moment it's just a break.